0: The Easy Market Wrap: Everything you need to know about the world and your money, easy.
1: July was definitely a, a good month. The JSE closed up almost five percent. I mean, we saw the banks; they were quite resilient, obviously on the back of you know all of the provisioning that they did for the whole COVID crisis and whatnot. The worst performer for the month was Amplatz, which traded down seven point, roughly about seven point five percent. You had your richmond cfr which traded up 15.44 and that obviously was helped by the rand because uh, richmond's uh, what they call a rand hedge so whenever the rand depreciates against the dollar so if uh, you know the rand goes from 15 to 16 to the dollar that's going to help these kind of companies talking about uh, the global currencies we also saw uh, the euro u.s come back to parity which i mean i don't think it's been there for the last two decades where basically well, one euro was worth one dollar So, I mean, that was definitely also quite interesting, quite a spectacle to see.
0: Welcome to Easy Desert, a podcast by Easy Equities, where we simplify money and investing. No jargon, no complications. Your cool guide to investing. Easy. (laughs) Thank you for pressing play on the Easy Desert podcast, your cool guide to investing. My name is DJ At-Large. We're doing something a little different on the podcast today, an easy market wrap answering some of your burning investment questions what on earth is happening in the market it seems like uh, we have an equities winter which companies are making waves and you should be featuring in your watch list and what is going on with crypto so we'll be hanging out with jd brayton buck he will be our financial market song and commentator a man with almost a decade of financial market experience a solutionist thinker a sportsman a dog lover and a senior trader at purple group jd welcome to the easy does it podcast man it's lovely having you thank you very much for having me today so i want to get into the equities winter right what on earth is currently going on in the market
1: So I guess from, like, your big investment global themes and, like, macro factors that have uh, been affecting the markets, I mean, I can tell you one thing is over the last six months is it hasn't been boring. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, I mean, we started, uh, we finished off the first half of the year with the worst six months that the S&P 500 has seen since, geez, I think it's the early 1970s or something like that. So, I mean, um, you got... The the main themes that are also definitely coming through is the, the massive supply glut that we've seen, obviously the war in Ukraine, and then the knock-on effects thereof, and the not-so-transitory inflation that everyone was banging their drum about, oh, I think it was almost last year this time. Um, stateside, I think your major economic indicators, I mean, they've all declined definitely over the last four months until yesterday's CPI, so your Consumer Price Index print, which actually came through and uh, beat estimates. Uh, a lot of your sentiment indicators have also fallen i mean for example your pmi which is your purchases managers index which is essentially broken up into two different parts so you've got your services side and your manufacturing side and um, how how it basically works is anything over 50 uh, denotes expansion where anything below 50 denotes contraction Uh, so in the month of july uh, services pmi came in and printed 47.3 with your manufacturing PMI coming in at 52.2. So, no, it's not great. The, it's been sloping down the last while, but at the same time, we're also not sitting with Armageddon on our hands. Uh, Eurozone-wise, I mean, also tracking and having a look at the PMIs, I mean, they've also been dipping. And I mean, that's definitely directly correlated to the, the war in Ukraine. And then, obviously, the knock-on effects that of of that, and especially the, the energy issue that comes, comes from, from that. Because, I mean, think of it. I mean, Russia supplies a vast amount of gas through to, to Europe. Now, you've got countries like Germany. I mean, just think Germany. They're a very industrialized nation. I mean, think about their cars and whatnot. So, I mean, they, they definitely need energy in order to operate. And there's definitely been knock-on effects onto the GDP from there. Um, I still remember reading, I think it was a day or two ago, um, you know, Uh, ships basically coming through in the Rhine, uh, they can only take a quarter of the load now. And that's just basically been because the Rhine's river levels are are that low. So now you can imagine those knock-on effects to inflation and and everything else like that. But uh, at least on a a lighter lighter note, uh, we've had US earnings season that's been kicking off and uh, US earnings have been quite resilient. um, And they haven't really been pricing in a A recession. So I mean, right now we're actually sitting in a, a bit of no man's land.
0: Yeah, I'm glad that you're entering it on a lighter, more positive note because even if you're not an investor you're just an average South African, you can see the consequences of these global themes and macroeconomic uh, factors just on our wallets and even our abilities to be able to invest. We sort of are more worried about the, the price of food and fuel and so it sometimes becomes difficult to even think of investing. But in terms of those ordinary retail investors like myself who find a way to still invest, what is some important investing principles uh, that we should remember during these types of periods where things don't seem to be going well.
1: Over the month of July, we've actually rebounded quite strongly on equity markets, although the year hasn't been that great. Uh, But I think it all basically boils down to, I think, uh, three of my favorite quotes. So the first one is Warren Buffett. I'm going to paraphrase all of them. But he said, uh, basically, buy when there's blood on the streets. Uh, That's the first one. So you've always got to be looking for opportunity. The other one came through from JP Morgan, where he said something along the lines of during bear markets, shares return to their rightful owners. Uh, That's always stayed with me. So just basically coming down to that core tenant of do not panic. And then third of all, got a very, very good friend of mine that told me this a couple of years ago. and It's always stuck with me. The past isn't as good as you remember. The present isn't as bad as you think, and the future will be better than you anticipate. So, I mean, coming from that point of view, uh, you can basically break it down to three core like tenants. The one is firstly, don't panic. Second, uh, that I'd say is always keep some dry powder. You never want to be 100% invested and then lose that one opportunity that can add an extra 5 or 6% gain to your portfolio throughout the year. And then um, third of all, good old diversification. Not trying to be a hero. Just, um, you know, breaking it up from a geographic point of view, being invested in First world countries, emerging markets, uh, not being 100% in resources, you know, breaking it up into different ETFs, like your Satrix Worlds or your NF NFGovies or something along those lines.
0: Yeah, I think you've touched on such important things. You know, don't panic, you know, look for opportunities. And I think also just remembering that investing is about the long term. You're not necessarily, you know, worried about what's happening now. We're thinking long term all the time, which I think is is so important, especially when there's so much going on in the world. I mean, you look at your portfolio and you see red and you panic and you lose your mind. But I think the principles you've touched on are so, so important. Now, JD, I'm big on crypto, right? And uh, we've been seeing a little bit of a bounce recently. Uh, in terms of the recovery price of Ethereum in particular and some
1: other crypto coins. What's driving all of this? What's what's happening in the crypto space? So firstly, a disclaimer, I actually took some Bitcoin on Saturday for myself. <laughs> Ooh, that, that's a sign that, that, that's a sign that's a sign to me but continue continue alright so I guess more like from a from a crypto standpoint it's it's obviously much harder to value than you know your uh, platinum and your coppers and whatnot because there's no real supply and demand coming from that but um, I saw must have been about two or three weeks ago uh, now obviously there's Bitcoin futures that are listed on the uh, CBOE or the Chicago Merc exchange and I saw an article that came out there. So in, their volumes have increased quite drastically the last while. So like as an institutional, well, as, a, as an investor, it's nice to see when institutional investors step up to the plate and actually start to take some size. I think to add to that as well, uh, there's another chap that I read an article about the other day called Martin Hisbrook, which is head of crypto research at Uphold. And he was basically quoted saying, I'm also going to paraphrase, uh, but something along the lines of, you know, whenever there's a big sell-off in the crypto, he starts to see bigger transactions coming through. And he believes that to also be institutional interest. So, I mean, from that aspect, from the volume side of things, um, you know, like as a tape reader, that's always good to see. And then also it was, yeah, it was probably end of June. Uh, good old uh, Jim Cramer from Mad Money came out and uh, he did a a little bit of a explanation on another chap called Tom DeMark who is quite a prodigious technical analyst so he's not one of those uh, min- momentum or trend following guys he's more of a guy that looks for the trend reversals um you know uh to let's say bitcoin sold off he's looking to when to buy and go long for the for the long term and he's got like a 13 point analysis that he runs and Bitcoin actually ticked all of the 13 towards the end of June. So basically he's, he's prognosticating that over the next couple of months we'll probably see some more upside coming through and then uh, possibly it could take a couple of years and we might see the, the all-time highs that we saw earlier this year, end of last year.
0: I think one of the interesting things you've touched on is that institutions are starting to play within the space, uh, which I think is really, really key and interesting. Now, JD, uh, can you perhaps touch on other things that are happening in the markets, other important developments, news, things that uh, uh, investors and, and traders need to be thinking about?
1: Yeah, I mean, like I guess from a from a market wrap point of view, I mean, I I think as I mentioned earlier, we had earnings that came through in the states, so they report earnings once a quarter, obviously on the previous quarter. So just before I popped on or joined you, I had a look at some of the stats. So. On the S&P 500, out of the 505 shares in that index, we've had 451 that have posted earnings, so roughly 80, 89, 8, yeah, 89% of the index. Of that, that have posted, we are sitting with 75% of them that have come through positive, roughly about 5.3% that uh, their earnings came in line. And you're about nineteen point seven twenty percent that have come through in negative. Also on the, the NASDAQ, the NDQ, the NASDAQ 100, we've had about 74 of those shares that have um, reported earnings. And we're also sitting with 71% of the shares that have beaten. So, I mean, it's, uh, we're starting to see, you know, I mean, they've, they've come across as quite robust. And I mean, over the last year, um, I mean, tech has always dominated since two thousand and call it 2008 you've just seen mass domination of the nasdaq over the s&p 500 and since then this last year we've seen a um, sort of a, a decoupling of that and the s&p actually outperformed uh the nasdaq by about 10 percent but in the month of july uh the nasdaq actually started to resurge and um, outperform the s&p by roughly about 4.7 percent or something like that but i mean think about it you've got the likes of companies like facebook basically meta now that are trading about 48, 49% down this year. So you've got some big quality companies that hold definitely the monopoly in their space that are trading at, at massive, massive discounts compared to where they were a year ago. Performance wise, as well, I think maybe just to touch on that, July uh, was definitely a, a good month. The JSE closed up almost 5%. I mean, we saw the banks, they were quite resilient, obviously, on the back of, you know, all of the provisioning that they did for the whole COVID crisis and whatnot. The worst performer for the month was Amplatz, which traded down 7 point, roughly about 7.5%. You had your Richemont, uh, your CFR, which traded up 15.44%. And that obviously was helped by the RAND because uh, Richmond's uh, what they call a RAND hedge. So whenever the RAND depreciates against the dollar, so if uh, you know, the RAND goes from 15 to 16 to the dollar, uh, that's gonna help these kind of companies. Talking about uh, the global currencies, we also saw uh, the Euro-US come back to parity, which I mean, I don't think it's been there for the last two decades, where basically well, one Euro was worth one dollar. So I mean, that's, that was definitely also quite interesting, quite a spectacle to see. Also, we've the, the commodity space has been wild. I mean, Brent crude the last while, I mean, In July, I remember trading down 15% and then I think it closed down only 3%. So I mean, massive swings on the commodity space, a lot of volatility, great for trading. Gold, the same, I think it was also down about 7% and then closed down only 2.38. So I mean, yeah, there's been a lot of volatility on the markets and I mean, with volatility, there comes opportunity.
0: Yeah, it almost feels like July was a bit of a mixed bag, but there were some opportunities in it. I, I want to touch on the future a little bit. That's where the Sangoma part of this comes in. Uh, JD, which stocks uh, should we be watching
1: over the next coming weeks?
0: And I guess the month of August, and, and why?
1: So uh, you got to pay for the crystal ball, eh? <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, I guess from, from my side, I mean, that's, that's quite a hard question to answer because, I mean, we've seen a very strong rebound this last month. I'd definitely uh, say, you know, keep keep an eye on a couple of your ETFs like your NFGovies. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you've got to make sure that you don't panic. You've got to be well diversified and keep capital for, for the right opportunities. I mean, we've seen, you know, the, f- the financials, the telcos, the healthcare sector. I mean, all of them have been firing the last while. Uh, We've seen quite a few nice little breakouts coming through. Um, I mean, M10 has been firing. There's been a lot of uh, news coming through, news flow in that sector. So, yeah, I guess uh, long story short is just keep keep a beady eye on the news and wait for the right opportunities. Oh, man, absolutely love that. JD, thank you
0: so much for throwing the financial market bones looking back and forward. Thanks so much for having me. That's an easy market wrap with uh, the senior trader at uh, Purple Group, JD, our financial market enthusiast and commentator on the Easy Does It podcast, your cool guide to investing.
1: Thank you for pressing play
0: on the Easy Does It podcast. A big shout out to you for hanging out with us. Don't forget to subscribe. We are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of this episode on Twitter and Insta. Our handle is at Easy Equities.